What I got here is a floaty. Um, I, I contemplated trying to put this thing on, but I don't think anybody probably needs to see, uh, see that happen. Uh, but if you, if you were to put one of these floaties on, uh, you'd be ready for, you'd be ready for some, some river time, right? And you go and you, you jump in the river, and that river is going to take you where that river's going, right? You put on this floaty, you jump in the river. If that river is going to Lano, where are you going? You're not going to end up in Dallas if the, if the river's going to Lano. You're going where the river is going. You can't control where the river goes, right? Tra- hey, traffic is light to Whataburger. Speaking of directions, okay? That's really helpful information to know, okay? So let's just, let's just welcome the Holy Spirit back now, okay? So you don't control where the river goes, but what you do control is whether or not you get into the flow of the river, right? Um, Your will decides, by an act of the will, you decide whether you're going to jump in that frosty, cool river or not. But once you jump in and you yield yourself to the river, you're going where that river's going. And a, and a biblical image of the Spirit of God is there's these two great images, uh, and, and one of those images of this rushing river. And another image is of a mighty wind. And if you're flying a kite in the wind or you've got your floaties on in the river, you're, you're being guided by, you're being powered by that. And, and the Holy Spirit is, is represented in Scripture as this uh, as this driving force of our life. But there's another river that maybe we jump into, and that's the river of our flesh. Um, and that river has a destination. Um, the flesh is when I'm doing what I want to be doing, regardless of what God says, regardless of what God wants, and I can dress it up and I can pretty it up, but it's just doing what I want to do. I can sprinkle some Bible verses on it, but the flesh is going one direction. God's Spirit is going another direction. And by an act of our will, we daily decide, which of those rivers am I going to jump into? Now, there's this incredible, miraculous thing that happens when, you, when by the work of God's Spirit, you surrender your life to Jesus. Romans 8 says, you are no longer in the flesh, but you are in the Spirit. God takes us out of the river of the flesh that's going to a bad place, like going to a sewer. And he puts us in the river of his Spirit, which is going somewhere good. But somehow... We find a way, through our bent will, to jump out of the river of the Spirit and jump back over in the river of the flesh. Have you ever experienced that? That's why there's this, 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 there's this thing that happens supernaturally. God takes us out of the river of the flesh. He puts us in the river of the Spirit. But then still daily, we have to decide, through an act of our will, empowered by the Holy Spirit, am I going to jump in the river of the flesh today? Or am I going to jump in the river of the Spirit today? And if you're in the flesh, that's going somewhere. If you're in the Spirit, that's going somewhere. You can't say I'm in the flesh, but I'm going where the Spirit goes because you're going where the flesh goes. If you're you're in the Spirit, you're going where the Spirit goes. And so um, today we're going to look at Paul's final words to the Ephesians. And he's prayed these incredible prayers for them. And you might go back later and reread that prayer in Ephesians 1, that prayer in Ephesians 3. And both of those prayers that he prays from prison for the Ephesians, he's, he's a great model for us on how to pray for ourselves and how to pray for others. He prays that they would know God, that they would just intimately know God, that they would know God's love, that they would comprehend the love of God that surpasses comprehension, that they would be 
filled and strengthened by the Spirit of God, that Christ would make us home through faith in our lives, that they would be rooted and grounded in love. I mean, these are incredible prayers. And now as Paul wraps up this letter to the Ephesians, he's like, I mean, he's running out of ink. He's running out at the end of the letter. And he wants to just summarize it all with like, this is what I don't want you to miss, guys. This is what I want you to hear. Everything else I've said has been leading up to this. Please don't miss this. And, and, he, and he writes that passage we read earlier that there's, there's a battle going on. There's a war going on. And he has to remind us of that because we so often forget that we're in a war. You ever forget that? We forget that we're in a war. We forget who our enemy is. It's not your spouse. It's not your neighbor. It's not your kids. It's not your parents. It's not your boss. We forget that we're in a battle. We forget who the enemy is and we forget what our weapons are. And we end up wandering around a battlefield like doing church or something and, and, and totally oblivious to the fact that there's a battle and there's, there's damage. And, and yet, the people I often think are my enemy are not my enemy. And the things that I often turn to as weapons and defenses are actually not weapons and defenses. And so Paul reminds us of these things in Ephesians 6 because this is what we're tempted to forget. You're in a battle. The battle is not against flesh and blood. See, it's dark spiritual forces. But yet God has given you everything you need to fight that battle. But we've every day, we have to put on those armors that God has given us. We cultivate healthy soil. What we want to see today is we cultivate healthy soil. This whole series is about how we cultivate healthy soil in our hearts and our lives. And we cultivate healthy soil as the Holy Spirit helps us pray. Paul tells us to pray in the Spirit today. What does that mean to pray in the Spirit? Part of what it means is that we pray leaning on and receiving help from the Spirit. See, God's Word tells us in, in, in Romans 8 that we are weak, and we're so weak we can't even pray right without God's help. How's that for a dose of humility, right? And we cultivate healthy soul as we learn to lean on the Holy Spirit as we pray. Okay, and so you know, why do we pray? Uh, you know, uh, there's all kinds of different reasons we could give, and some of us aren't really clear on why we pray. But I love what Archbishop Archbishop William Temple said a long time ago. He said, "Whatever other happens when I pray," he says, "when I pray, coincidence ha- coincidences seem to happen, and when I stop praying, the coincidences stop happening." He doesn't really believe that this is all coincidence, but he sees that when he's praying and when he's tuning in, and particularly. As we pray after the pattern that Paul's given us here, we see and are aware of God doing things that can't be explained any other way than by the hand of God. Paul wants us to have vision here about what's really going on and the battle that we're in and who our enemy really is and what our resources are in that battle. All right, He's reminding us of this because we easily forget that we're in a battle, who our enemy is, and what our weapons are, all right? And so Paul's been emphasizing throughout Ephesians these main themes that because of what Jesus has done, because of the gospel, you can have an intimate relationship with God. The wall between you and God's been taken down. Because of what Jesus has done, we as a body can be fitted together, and, 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 and all, the, all those old walls that divided people from each other have been broken down. And, and we've been part of this, we've been made part of this new family and this new people and this new temple. And all of that, is constantly under attack. All of that is constantly under attack. And so Paul says, pray, remembering that there's a battle going on. And, he, and, and as we read earlier, he moves through all those different types of armor, the breastplate, the shield, the helmet. 
And then last, he comes to there in verse 18, verse 17, he says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The Word of God. Paul, Paul kind of closes this discussion of the armor with the one offensive weapon, the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. And then he says, pray, verse 18, at all times in the Spirit. See what connects those two phrases together is idea, this reference to the Spirit. The Bible is the sword of the Spirit. And then we're called to pray in the Spirit. Scripture and prayer. Prayer and Scripture. It's like, I'm not, you know, I've added, some, I've gained some weight that I'd lost. I know exactly how to lose that weight. Diet and exercise. Exercise and diet. I'm not confused. It's not a confusing thing. We want to grow prayer, scripture, scripture, prayer. We want to help other people grow prayer, scripture. But tell me, but tell me something else. What's the secret sauce? Prayer, scripture, scripture, prayer. It, it's, it's, it's not complicated. We know this. So that's where Paul emphasizes scripture, prayer, prayer and scripture. If you're going to know God, if you're going to lead others, if you're going to battle well, prayer, scripture, scripture, prayer. He says, pray in the spirit. He says, verse 18, pray at all times. Look at those fourfold use of the word all, at all times, with all prayer and supplication, like all different kinds of prayer. Asking God for stuff, praising God, thanking God, praying standing up, praying sitting down, praying in the morning, praying in the evening, praying laying down, praying while you're, you're driving down I-20, praying all different kinds of ways, all times, all prayer. Keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication requests for all the saints. And if you're like me, we're pretty good at praying sometimes for some people with some perseverance, Right? Paul says all. And I hear those fourfold uses of the word all. Pray all the time. Pray for everybody. Pray, uh, pray with all perseverance. Pray with all kinds of prayers. I hear all those alls, and I just start to feel like, man, I'm too weak for that. Anybody feel that way? Like, man, I am, I'm not killing it with this. Like, uh, all the time for all people. And that's where the really good news in this sentence is in the Spirit. You can't pray for all people at all times with all perseverance in and of yourself, and neither can I. And that's why Paul says we pray in the Spirit. To pray in the Spirit is that we're praying in the river of the Spirit. We're praying in the flow of the Spirit. We're praying in the direction of the, of the Spirit. We're praying empowered by the Spirit. We're praying uh, in the direction that the Spirit is going And Paul tells us something in, in, in Romans 8, 26. I think we've got it up there. He says, you don't know how to pray as you should. The li likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know how to pray for us. We ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. We're gonna come back to that idea of groaning later. But part of praying in the Spirit is just that acknowledgement that I am weak. Man, to pray for all of humanity, that's a tall order. I'm weak and I, I, I've got a yield to the Spirit, and I need the Spirit's help. I've got to ask for the Spirit's help even as I pray. Praying in the Spirit is this idea of 
I'm, I'm just g- jumping in the river. And I'm, see, it's possible to pray and praise God and serve people, but do it in the flesh. The opposite of the Spirit is the flesh in Paul's thinking. It's possible to try really hard to pray, but I'm doing it with my own fuel. And I'm doing it with my own gas. And I'm doing it with my own energy. And I'm doing it in my own direction. And Paul says, pray in the Spirit. Romans 8, backing up in Romans 8, I mean, this is such a great passage to think about, to meditate on, to chew on, to memorize. Romans 8, beginning in verse 12, Paul tells us what the Spirit of God does. We're debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. That's that one river that's going to a bad place. We know where that river goes. We know how that river smells, and yet somehow we keep ending up back in it, don't we? For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. Whether, whether, for the, whether the flesh for you is like that idol we keep going back to or that gossip thing we keep doing or that sexual immorality thing we keep doing or that pride or, or whatever it is. It's living life my way. Says so if you keep doing that, do you, hear, do you feel Paul just shaking you by your shoulders? If you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. That's what it means, A, to pray in the Spirit. The Spirit puts to death sin in our life. Well, that doesn't sound very fun, does it? I want praying in the Spirit to be about a pep rally, and I want praying in the Spirit to be all about my feelings and generating a happy feeling. The first thing Paul says the Spirit does is by the Spirit we put to death sinful deeds. We still tracking with each other? The next thing the Spirit does, let's go to the next verse. All who are led by the Spirit Our sons of God, the Spirit of God leads us to pray in the Spirit is to be led by the Spirit. For you do not receive the the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The next thing the Spirit does is the Spirit reminds you, if you know Jesus, that you are God's child. The Spirit reminds you that God loves you. Guys, there's a lot of... A lot of voices that I tend to hear. I'm not talking about like in a medical sense, but there's a lot of voices, there's a lot of messages that I hear. And there's a lot of messages that you hear. And sometimes I listen to the wrong ones. But the message that's from God, even when God's, even when God is being tough on you, and even when God is telling you, lay that sin down, the message from God is, you are loved. Listen to that message. Because you're loved, because you're God's child, You can be empowered by the Spirit to lay down sin, to cut off sin, to do away with sin. The Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we're children of God. To pray in the Spirit means that we're listening, we're hearing that Spirit's voice. The Spirit comes alongside you and assures you of the Father's love for you. That's what it means to pray in the Spirit. Praying in the Spirit is stepping into the flow of of, of the Spirit of God and and these are the things the Spirit of God does in our lives. He empowers us to put sin to death. He leads us. He reminds us that we're God's children. When you're praying in the Spirit, these are going to be the things that are happening. Sometimes we get all in our feelings and we think about praying in the Spirit means we gotta yell and hoot and holler. Now, are you gonna sometimes yell? I hope so. I mean, yeah. But sometimes we equate the volume of someone's, we're like Austin Powers, I'm having trouble controlling the volume of my voice. You know, we, can, we, we equate the volume someone's preaching at with how full of the Spirit they are. And we say things like, well, we get excited at a, 
at a football game, why can't we get excited for Jesus? And there's truth in that statement, but that, the statement itself is proof that you can be excited apart from the Spirit of God. You can drum up all kinds of excitement and the Spirit of God have nothing to do with it. So be careful of equating the Spirit of God with just running around yelling. Be careful of equating the Spirit of God with a certain type of feeling because being, having sin put to death does not feel good. Be careful of that. It's like when we go to a foreign country as Americans, so you go to Italy and you don't know how to speak Italian, so you just yell really loud at the waiter. I want the spaghetti! Mwah! You know, like you're just talking louder. You're not speaking the language. But guys, we sometimes we're speaking the language of our flesh, and no matter how loud we do it, we're not speaking the language of the Spirit. Can the Spirit speak loud? Oh, yeah. Can the Spirit speak silently in a still, small voice? Yes. Don't equate the Spirit with a certain feeling or a certain manifestation, but be open to whatever manifestation. Praying in the Spirit is connected to, and I'm going to talk about, we're going to go over to 1 Corinthians 14. Paul says, and he, what he said so far in 1 Corinthians 14, he's talked about the gifts of the Spirit. Can we say, if, if, if God's Word calls something a gift, is it good or bad? Right? Are you going to turn up your nose? If God sends you a gift, you want to turn up your nose at that gift? No. I hope not. So, but Paul talks in 1 Corinthians 14 about this gift called, the, um, among other things, the gift of tongues. And, and it's kind of complicated, but not really. Paul says that, he says a couple of things. He says, I, I wish you all did it. He says, I pray, I speak in tongues more than all of you, which how could he possibly know that? I don't know, but obviously he's not saying it's something bad. But he says, when you're in church, don't get together and speak something that nobody understands unless there's an interpreter present. It's better to speak words that people understand. Verse 12, so with, with yourselves, since you are eager for manifestation of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. Verse 13, the one who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret. Verse 14, for if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. I will sing praise with my spirit, but I will sing with my mind also. So here's a really clear case where Paul kind of equates praying with or in the Spirit with praying in tongues or speaking in tongues, this language that who knows what I'm saying. And so I've grown up around Pentecostals, I've grown up around, around Baptists, and i found that we all kind of nail this down a little too much. And so our Pentecostal friends might say, you got, if, if, if you got the Spirit of God, you're, you're, you're going to pray in the tongues. And, that's, and, that is the, and whether we say it or not, that's like the standard for whether you're filled with the Spirit or not. And a lot of our Baptist friends will say, nah, you know, we believe the Bible, we're all about the Bible, but I mean, that ended. And we come up with all these acrobatics to say that it ended and then it's over. And sometimes we just kind of get the Spirit a little too figured out. So be open to whatever the Spirit of God wants. Praying in the Spirit, does that include praying in tongues, in my opinion? Yeah. But is that the only way we pray in the Spirit? No. It's one way we pray in the Spirit. Paul tells us another way over in Romans 8. Those groanings, too deep for words. And it's interesting in that Romans 8 passage, 
Paul talks about the whole creation groans, and he says, you know, then he says, we're groaning, and then he says, the Spirit is groaning in us, and he helps us, and he prays to us with groanings too deep for words, and through this whole thing, Paul's using a childbearing image. That the, the world is in the midst of childbirth and agony and is groaning. And he says the Spirit helps us with, with groanings too deep for words. And, and there's a, you know, I think back to four times I've, I've watched Sonda and, and held her hand as she's, uh, as she's born children. And there's a period there where, you know, I just get really embarrassed about my contribution to this thing, you know? And, man, the, the labor division here is really lopsided, okay? And then there's a point where I'm like, I love you, babe. I'm sorry you're in so much pain. And she's like, I love you too, babe. And then, and then there's a point where the words cease, and it's just grunting and groaning, and I do not want the interpretation of what any of those words mean. <laughs> As she's looking at me like, you know, like groaning. And it's this, it's this pain, and it's this grief. And it's this joy, and it's this expectation all in one. And when we pray in the Spirit, we're tapping into that, this joy and grief and pain of the whole world and that God himself shares with. We don't just get to that place accidentally. We get to the place because that's where the Spirit leads us, whether we're praying with our mind or tongues, or, or we just get to a place where we don't know how to pray and we're just groaning with God. You ever just agonizing Paul says that's something that happens as we, as we look at a broken world and our broken lives and the Spirit of God just sometimes just is moving in us in ways that we don't even have language to speak. Praying in the Spirit is some of all of that, but it's, it's what it's not is just feeling a certain way. It's not just getting ourselves really excited. You can get yourself, I can get excited about chicken. I can yell and holler and run around and still be in the flesh. So where's the Spirit lead? How do I know I'm praying in the Spirit? Well, I begin to move where the Spirit is heading. And where is the Spirit always going? John 16 tells us. We have it. Jesus is saying, I still have many things to say to you, but, I can't, but you cannot bear them now. Man, there's always more God wants to do in you. But he gives it to us as we can bear it. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are come. These are, this is Jesus speaking to the disciples. He will glorify me. He will take what is mine and declare it to you. The things the spirit of God does is the spirit of God makes truth taste good to you. In our flesh, truth tastes bad. Truth is bitter to our flesh, but the Holy Spirit makes truth taste good. The Holy Spirit brings truth to life. The Holy Spirit makes a really big deal out of Jesus. The Holy Spirit points us to Jesus. And if our life is heading in a direction where we're pursuing truth and we're making much of Jesus, we're probably praying in the Spirit. If not, we're probably just in our feelings. And there's a difference. Where's your life heading? So Ephesians 6 there's a battle raging, and that battle is raging not just out there. That battle is raging in me, and that battle is raging in you. You can't fight the battle alone. That's why Jesus gives you community and scripture and prayer. 
all saturated in the Spirit. You can pray at all times for all people in all ways because that's what God's Spirit is already doing. And you're just called to join God in what he's already doing. Paul closes this by saying, pray for me. Let's see what Paul asks that they would pray for him. Verse 19, pray for me. That the words, you want to know what I'd pray for? Pray for me that I get out of this jail cell, I can get on with my life, my ministry can get better, I'm confined. I mean, Paul is the apostle of the heart set free, and yet he's stuck in a prison cell. He says, pray for me that the words may be given to me in the opening of my mouth, boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. Pray for me that while I'm sitting here in chains in a prison cell, my circumstances might be used to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's someone who's praying in the Spirit. That's what someone says who's praying, leaning on God's Spirit. Whatever manifestations that takes or doesn't take, someone praying in the Spirit, regardless of their circumstances, says, would you pray for me? That in my circumstances, whether I made the team, I didn't make the team. Whether I um, got the promotion, I didn't get the promotion. Whether my, my household or it didn't sell. Whether the cancer test was good or whether it was bad. Regardless of my circumstances, would you pray for me that I would, in this circumstance, make much of Jesus Christ? That's what someone prays who's praying in the Spirit.